welcome to episode 30 of the Scout Trailblazers podcast. And this week I have a very special guest in Matt Mayer Lowry, the writer and creator, and one of the creators anyway, of Life Formed, a book that you can order now through Scout. It's a terrific book, I have to say. Getting started, uh, you, I don't want any misunderstanding that I love this book. It's just a great book. So how are you doing, Matt? I'm great. Thanks for having me. It's good to talk with you. Why don't we, before we get down to the book itself, tell me your experience in comics. Was this your first comic, or, or what one was it for you? Uh, yeah, Lifeform was my first uh, book that uh, I guess both that I worked on and that got uh, or that were publishing. So um, yeah, it's uh, it was my um, first attempt, helped greatly by Cassie Anderson, um, the artist and co-creator. So yeah, um, and it's. Uh, yeah, it's been a blast so far. Um, you know, I've I've written other stuff, but uh, these are definitely you know the characters that probably populate my brain the most and um, hmm. show up with new ideas for stories most frequently. So great, great. Now there's two volumes that are already put together, and they're coming out from Scout. The first one I think you can uh, order right now. Let me get that information in right quickly. There's in Diamond. It's the code number J U N because it's under June two one one seven five two. That's going to be the, the the first issue, and it's going to be three ninety nine. I don't know. It's the first issue. I think the first volume might be a better way to uh, say that. Well, the first we're doing the. I think the first issue comes out uh, with the, the like thirty six pages of the first part, and then the full volume comes out in a, a couple months after that. I think is what we're doing. That'd be great. And you also have uh, the second volume completed, so yes. we won't have to wait long. That'll be nice to to read this. I yeah. fortunately have had a chance to read both, and I loved both. And as I was telling you before we started to record, I, there are moments in this book that just grab me. And I just, just love, I just think this is one of those books to, to fight for and to make sure we get more of. So I'm really grateful for this. Now, let me real quickly read the, the previews world description. It's a paragraph, so it's going to take me a minute here. Sure. So let me read that so people know what we're talking about. Orphaned in the wake of an alien invasion, 11-year-old Cleo must leave behind the life she knew to fight for her own survival and the Earth's future. With the help of <clears throat> excuse me, that, <clears throat> with the help of a rebel alien posing as her dad, Cleo learns how to survive and strike back against the invaders. Battling their way through the wreckage of the apocalypse, these two unlikely companions bond, ponder what it means to be human, and search for reasons to fight on. Enjoy the first issue of this nonstop title, followed by the entire story collected soon after in one volume. And like I said, that's the first volume, but the second volume is is a different setting. The first volume is called a setup, and the second volume is, is after setup is the way I, I look yeah, at it. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, talk about the, the building of this book. Um, you know, Cassie obviously had a lot to do with the, the look of it and, the, and you know, being a, a female too, a woman, she probably has some input on the, the lead character. I always love female lead characters because I understand male characters. I've read up male characters in the lead for decades. Yep. So I have a pretty good idea. On the other hand, you get to a female lead and I'm baffled. And so I like female lead characters because I'm not going to be able to tell what's going to happen. So talk about the, the Cleo in particular, if you would, and where she came from. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, I'm talking about, uh, 
women lead characters, uh, I was, uh, Cleo was a little bit in my head, sort of like, uh, 11 year old, uh, Sarah Connor, like what is, um, what would happen, uh, if you threw, uh, you know, Terminator Sarah Connor into a situation like this. Um, and I've always been a huge fan of that character, um, and Ripley from alien and aliens. Um, and so Cleo's a little bit born out of my love of, uh, those characters. And also, uh, I've got, um, a couple kids. And so she's definitely, um, you know, they were a little bit of a starting point, although very quickly she sort of took on a life of her own. Um, and Cassie's definitely, um, you know, plays a big role in, uh, obviously, obviously a huge role in, um, the art, uh, of bringing Cleo to life. And, you know, if you, we've got a lot of cool process stuff that will eventually make its way to different things, um, including, you know, uh, Cassie posing for different, uh, shots, um, for reference and stuff that she uses. So it's definitely sort of something that, um, I think we truly co-created and, um, it was a blast. And uh, Cleo is, I guess, uh, she's a fighter, but she's sassy and she's funny. And she generally doesn't, uh, it takes a lot to sort of get her, um, maybe not down emotionally, but to keep her down, I guess, <laughs> when uh, she faces a lot of obstacles and, um, and generally uh, is good at rebounding from them. Um, yeah. So. Because in the first book, like, for example, she is. Um, she uh, she works with her father and practices to do a presentation, but then when she actually makes the presentation, it's different because it's not in front of her dad; it's in front of other people. Yeah, and therefore she struggles a little bit more with it. I, I, that was one of the things I think that made her really human to me. And their relationship, of course, single dad and daughter that that relationship. You know, I'm not familiar with it in real life, but I. I tried to glean information about it. And yet I, I think this was one of the most realistic portrayals of that relationship that I've seen. It was really, really gripping. Cool. That's great to hear. Yeah. I wanted to make sure that we spent a, a lot of time, um, you know, building that relationship up before anything happens. So basically the, the overall plot is that, uh, as you kind of described in the diamond solicitation stuff, the, uh, there's an alien invasion, Cleo's dad is killed. And then, uh, an alien shapeshifting, uh, rebel takes his place. Um, and so to really make, to really have you care, I felt like about Cleo, about the relationship, about the character that for the rest of the book is going to look like the dad. It felt like you really needed to get a few extra beats, I guess, of their, of, of Cleo and her real dad's relationship before stuff goes south. Um, and yeah, so I, I wanted to have that. I wanted to have it uh, Cleo be a well-rounded character who wasn't just, uh, you know, unstoppable or something that she's got some real, um, I guess, recognizable personality traits and hesitancies and stuff um, that she sort of over the course of the book ends up, um, you know, overcoming in different ways and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Now, see, she's got two things going against her in my mind <laughs> that I don't understand, which is actually good for the mm -hmm. book, is that she's female, which, of course, I, I still don't I, – I struggle to understand the female 
personality. Now, males, I, I get. I've read them for years. But when it comes to women, I, I look at them and I go, I don't get it. And so, but she's also, you know, 11 years old. That's a part of life that of a, of a girl growing up that I don't get either. I mean, I grew up, I had, there were friends of mine who were girls that were when I was in school and stuff like that, but I never quite got it, what they thought. I'd always be kind of looking at them going, why do you think like that? How, how does that happen? So I, I kind of feel, I really came away that Cleo was extremely real in my head as I read this. And as you and I were talking earlier, there's a sequence in the first book, which I will not spoil here, but she says something and does something when things are happening that shocked me. And I remember sitting there and my, my heart got pulled on and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, the, she's reacting this way, which is mm -hmm. really interesting to me. And as such, you know, when, when people get the book, please get to that sequence because that's a very important sequence towards the end of the, the first book. And it is stunning. I mean, for, you know, I, I'm dying to ask where that came from. I mean, have you seen somebody? You can't possibly experience exactly what that circumstance was <laughs> yes. in real life. <laughs> yeah. But you can probably get an, a similar thing happening. And as such, I just, that, that, that was the part that hooked me. I was just, I, I was interested in, how, in their relationship and, and it was educational for me to learn these things. But when we get to that stuff, I was just, and I'm rambling on here, but I, I just love that whole sequence. That whole first book got me. And so the second book, when I got a chance to read it, which we'll, which we'll get to yeah. uh, print. But the, the thing that got me was that that was so real to me. I forgot I was reading a comic. Yeah. Well, it's great to hear. Yeah. it's um, And I mean, I guess that sort of grief and dealing with grief is sort of the, uh, I guess, the emotional linchpin of the story or the thing on which the emotions sort of turn in the story um, as well as other things too, but that's sort of maybe the central one, obviously mm -hmm. given the plot. Um, and so, yeah, I think just trying to, um, you know, around the time I was writing this, we had a couple experiences with uh, people we were close to that sort of puts, uh, I guess, that that stuff front and center for us for me personally and so just thinking through um uh a lot of that or work i guess working through a lot of that although it was you know adjacent to me not um, not direct uh was um yeah in a way it was sort of like a, a way to work through some of that um those emotions by writing them and just kind of being in that mind that, that sort of headspace i guess um so yeah, so I mean it's it's great that it reads as real as, as it can, and then I also have my kids uh, who were when I was writing this were closer to Cleo's age than they are now, um, but uh, they were you know I guess a reference point. Not that uh, not that they're super similar, but that they're you know it's a way to kind of uh, like check the truth the truthiness of mm -hmm. um cleo's reactions against um and they read most of my stuff and um give me feedback too so um keep me honest uh in certain ways so um yeah it's uh i'm, I'm glad it read uh, glad it comes across i guess it, it's great and and i just you know i i couldn't believe 
Ah, oh, that one thing, and and I won't talk anymore because I'll be tempted to spoil it. Yeah. <laughs> but there, there. Watch for that one thing that happens that just shocked the heck out of me. But now we've talked about Cleo, and I think we've talked to her uh, pretty well. Yeah. Talk about the father, because the father, as real as Cleo is, I think the the single dad is also very real. I mean, the stuff he does, she. <laughs> She she gives him grief mm-hmm. along the way. There are times when she's very supportive and attentive and and stuff towards him, but there's times when she's not. And his reaction always was something I was watching for, and I was that made him a real person that stood out to me. So, talk about him. I mean, you know, uh, more than that, I won't say, but let's just say he goes through a, a, an evolution, shall we say? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the the stuff that happens both before and after I, I was gripped. I mean, I sat there watching his reaction to her and her reaction to him I, I, because he is who he is. That's one of the reasons she is who she is mm-hmm. in my mind. So talk about him and the dad and, and, uh, and where he came from. Yeah. I think that he's sort of, especially when you're talking about her at Quill's actual father, who is in what we get to see of him um, Mm -hmm. before he meets his demise uh, is pretty, probably pretty aspirational, I guess. Like he's, um, he's maybe what you hope you would be as a dad. And, and knowing that um, I think maybe the, uh, the alien version of, the dad is probably a little bit closer to where um, I land. I would aim for aspiration most of the time. And, but you know, reality is a different thing. Um, and so I think a lot of, um, a lot of the, uh, so we, uh, Cassie and I have always sort of designated the, you know, uh, the Cleo's dad's name is Alex. We always talk about Alex uh, as the actual dad and alien Alex as the, um, as the, you know, alien version, but, uh, alien Alex is definitely, um, sort of, I mean, he's, he's sort of in a confused state overall because he, uh, has been brought to earth by no, you know, actions of his own really, um, except to escape and, and fight back. But uh, as far as just what he, this whole invasion is, uh, not his doing. And so, he's on a planet that he doesn't understand. He was uh, a slave where he came from. Um, and so he's in totally, uh, you know, unknown conditions for him. And then when we throw Cleo into that mix, there's a whole other, like, it's not just the setting that he's unfamiliar with and what he's got to do in that setting, but it's also, uh, this, um, whole other being that he feels, uh, compelled to take care of um and uh and guard and teach and all that stuff um but cleo doesn't always react how as you said um she doesn't always do the thing you would expect her to do um which is uh certainly drawn from my real life experience um as is the sort of thing you were describing of sometimes uh you know, sometimes parents and kids have a real tight connection one minute and then uh, the next minute it can be miles away. Um, and so I, I, I used to joke that like it was like when I was raising a kid, especially when they were younger, I, I kind of felt like an alien who didn't understand what was happening all the time. So um, I think that that 
my experience there very much sort of uh, informed where alien Alex is coming from, especially um, mm-hmm. with Alex being more of uh, oh, if I was a really good dad all the time, um, that's who Alex is sort of in my head um, before he gets uh, get meets his maker there. So, so alien Alex is a little more confused than Alex. I'm I trying was, to figure out a yeah. good word. Yeah, I think, or just you know, thrown into like multiple situations at once that he doesn't understand as is Cleo sort of, you know, she's, uh, they both get in, in like one, in a couple moments, right. They both are suddenly in, uh, in the middle of an alien invasion. Cleo suddenly loses her dad and then suddenly sees him replaced with, uh, by this alien shapeshifter, um, Mm. who's suddenly talking to her, like he knows her. Um, Mm. and then, uh, alien Alex, for his part, has just uh, just decided um, to fight back against uh, the aliens that are, you know, performing the invasion that have had him and his people enslaved forever. And so he's just decided that he's just escaped and he's just crashed on a planet. He doesn't know where he is. So um, it's all very. Uh, all that stuff is really fresh for both of them in the first volume, especially. And mm-hmm. uh, lots, so it's lots to sort of try to, I guess, unpack as the saying goes. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the thing that really interested me too is the aliens. Mm-hmm. As you've described already, there are layers to the alien society. Yep. And as such, that hearken to, as we talked about before we started recording, about Star Trek Deep Space Nine had the Dominion and they had layers mm-hmm. to their group. And as such, and so that was one of the things that I was really attracted to in this book was the fact that just because you're an alien doesn't mean, you know, not all the aliens are the, exactly the same. Yep. And that makes it more interesting to me. I mean, if, you know, I've seen alien stories where they're basically got you know, they're going around with ray guns and shooting everybody. And I was yeah. just kind of like, okay, <laughs> but with this one, you know, with the, the alien Alex and his uh, movement and, and with uh, the, the people who are behind the invasion and stuff like that, there's a real, uh, it's, it's thoughtful and it's, it's like Deep Space Nine in that way because that was my favorite Star Trek. Yeah, and that I, I it invites me to think about it and make me examine what's going on and what's what's happening with that. Was that kind of what you guys wanted when when this whole thing came together? But was a more thoughtful and a more reasonable in that sense uh, of an alien thing. They're still invading, so there's yeah. still bad things going on. But on the other hand, there are elements to them that we need to think about and examine, which I really love. Was that the way you guys intended it? Yeah, I think uh, I always, I mean, to me, it's like if your villain isn't um, not only cool, but like uh, has some sort of, I don't know, interesting outlook, I guess, um, as well. And so already when you're talking about the, um, I guess, the society and everything, it's like it's anything with that, with some layers to it, to me is always more interesting. Like I just watched uh rewatch Blade Runner this last weekend. And like mm. the amount of stuff going on in that movie, it's just like, you're just, it's an onslaught, even though you've got a really like streamlined plot sort of 
maybe, I guess, debatably, but you've got a pretty streamlined protagonist moving through trying to, you know, take out some replicants, but all around him is all this like layers of stuff you could spend and people have spent tons of time, you know, dissecting and figuring out what's going on. And to me, that's always, I want, I always wanted people to like think about stuff after they put it down. And it just seems like, uh, you've, um, you've kind of got to provide those extra layers in order to have people like want to come back and read stuff again or, uh, or that kind of thing. And then also, you know, part, so part of alien Alex's journey is, is from, uh, being a slave on his home or on, uh, with the aliens that are doing the invasion, um, to become, to realizing that, uh, he should rebel. And, the, and so in order to sort of tell that, story arc i really wanted to have um it have it be clear or or, you know uh, clear at least and enough that you want to think about it what the layers of that society are what maybe has happened with them um over time and uh, so there's that and then it's also i always want to have you know more potential places to take the story and Mm -hmm. so you know uh I've, I, and I kind of, uh, when I first kind of conceived of the entire thing, I laid out, uh, you know, multiple arcs with sort of the implications of, um, especially the main, uh, bad guy in the first volume, sort of what are the implications of that guy across time, um, mm-hmm. and how he has an effect on things. And so, um, I think that, uh, made him feel more, uh, more interesting, even though he is he is sometimes sort of a maniacal blowhard who talks a lot and loves the sound of his own voice. I wanted him to also be, uh, you know, compelling in, um, in just sort of a structural way. So mm-hmm. yeah. it's, 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 it's astoundingly great on that way. This, this, this could be a movie easily in my mind. It's cool. such, it's such a fascinating thing. The aliens, I, <laughs> The, the the bad the main alien guy who's behind all of this stuff like that he's obviously somebody he's complex but he is also he's got more evil intentions shall we say yes, than, yeah. than other people do because he sees people as tools and other things as yeah. things to use and as such you know the difference between him and alien Alex is really profound which makes me think about that quite a lot you know how can you know, well, I. You mentioned something I've got to ask about. You said yeah. that several arcs. Do you know how many story arcs you had in mind for this? Well, I. I mean, in my mind, it just kind of goes on indefinitely um, <laughs> a, until like an end point, you know, in the far future. But um, I, I had outlined uh, the, or let's see, I had like three big, three big arcs um, with. And I guess in my head, I'd been thinking of them as volumes with the the last of those three being probably like a two a kind of extra size two-parter. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I guess I, and that and those arcs were kind of based on the villains that they encountered um, in each of them. And so as well as uh, my little pet theory, or not theory, my little pet thing that in, you know, they start in Seattle uh, in, in volume one, volume two takes place in Portland and volume three was going to be in LA. And so it was sort of like a little West coast tour um, for the first part. So yeah. Um, but I definitely have actually the, the 
villain in the third volume is actually the first bad guy I created um, for Cleo to face off against. He just ended up kind of moving, uh, m- moving in time. But um, yeah, that's kind of that was kind of the goal. Um, and of course, if we can get to three, that would be awesome. If we can keep going after that, that would be even better. I sure hope so, because I, like I said before, I have had the chance to read volumes one and two. Uh, the first volume is what's going to be coming out before too long, and I encourage everybody to read it, buy it, and read this book because I we need to see more of this in the future. It's, it's I, I'm a big science fiction fan, and I've often said that uh, on this podcast is that I love things that make me think and make me wonder and go places I don't expect, and that is what life formed. And there's a D on the end. I always want to make sure people know life formed on that. Uh, And that's what this book makes me do. I sit there and I have to think about it and I have to reason and I can't think, okay, well, what's going to happen now? And I have to say the second volume was a surprise to me. It's a very different direction than the first volume takes. And as such, I love that. I love to be surprised. If somebody can surprise me in a good way, I am just, I treasure that yeah, (laughs) (laughs) because a lot of comics do not do that and go where I expect them to go. And as such, no, and it's not that you go in a different direction. That's unexplained or, or uh, unjustified. Mm -hmm. It is justified, but it is something that I didn't expect because of my expectations. Yeah. And as such, I love a story that does that to me. And that's why I want to see more because I want to go places that I didn't expect to go. And I think that life form does that so well. Well, it's very good to hear. Yeah. It was, uh, I definitely didn't want to, um, I don't know. I find that I try to tackle a subject a few times before I, um, before I walk in on an approach and I definitely didn't want to like, just kind of do the same thing again with, uh, the second volume. And, um, and I think that it sort of the, it was easy to sort of follow the natural arc of a parent child relationship to realize that, um, it's not, not too big of a spoiler, but like things aren't all, uh, sweetness, um, and love in the second volume. Um, and, uh, which is, um, you know, maybe a little bit more realistic in some ways, um, than the, the initial, um, or, you know, what happens initially. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, I think, uh, I was really happy with how the second one came out. It felt like it, um, I felt a li- because it was a, a later effort for me. Um, it's, it feels like I was a little bit more in command of what I was doing, um, from a writing perspective. And, uh, we got to just explore, um, I don't know, like I guess it's a little more interior, I think, mm-hmm. um, a little, a little less uh, fighty, um, mm-hmm. and and it all takes place in my neighborhood where I uh, run around when I need my exercise and all that kind of stuff, and so I got mm-hmm. to um, feature some of the weird locales that um, I uh, run through all the time, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was, uh, was pretty pretty happy with how it turned out. Well, let me tell you, buy this book because we need more of this. Let me tell you, it's a very thoughtful, a very touching, uh, uh, surprising, and just fascinating uh, tale that I did not expect. When I started to read it, I, w- I just thought, oh, okay, young girl, mm-hmm. alien invasion. Well, you know, you know, I did think that Ripley was something she was going to be more of, mm-hmm. but 
the fact that she was human on so many different levels and the, the, the Alex and the alien Alex and all this stuff, it, there's so many places it could go that I just can't wait to see what you're going to do. I awesome. see all these wonderful things. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I'm super because I've had it around for a long time. I'm extremely, uh, excited about getting to a third volume. Um, and getting to actually pull that off. So uh, I, I agree. Buy, buy the book and uh, let's make a lot more. Yes, please. Um, yes. A lot, lot more. Because <laughs> there's, I would love to read many more volumes of this book. It's just such a great, great book. Now, if people want to follow you on social media, how do they do that? Um, I am on Instagram and Twitter at Matt ML. PDX, like the Portland airport. Um, I think if you search for life formed, uh, it should, I should also probably pop up pretty quickly. I think I've got that in my um, Twitter title. Uh, yeah. And they can follow me there or at mmlcomics.com. Um, they can also find out more about life formed and some other projects and yeah, if they, uh, they want pictures of pictures of running around and comics uh check me out on instagram <laughs> now I, I have to say though the title was something that got me too when i started to read it the title meant more mm -hmm. the life formed and of course that i, I don't want to give anything away but it has something to do with what happens in the story yeah shall we say yeah i mean i i love the title it's just a, a, a it, i've never seen a book called this before which is something that makes it really stand out to me but i also love what it means in the story and it means something in the story sometimes science fiction books have titles that mean nothing yeah to me this means something to me and as such it's the perfect title cool yeah that's actually to give credit due credit i think that was a, a bit of a committee effort between uh, me and my wife and cassie i think my wife might have ultimately been the uh the one that came up with that after um after we were making making lots of lists and stuff because uh, it was um something that was we taught you know we said the word a lot but didn't uh, really think of it in title sense so i think that's uh kind of came up from that uh, a good collaborative discussion so it's superb i really like it now one last time i want to make sure people know the order number in the previews it's j-u-n like june two one one seven five two you want to get your order in right away because we've got to make sure the, the stores order them because, uh, you know, sometimes the best books, in my experience, don't necessarily hit the stores. Yeah. Yep. And you got to get out there and, and fight for them. And so as such, I'm going to make sure my store knows that I want it. And I want to make sure that that uh, you guys get it. Because let me tell you, Life Formed is something you're going to really want to read. Just thoughtful. And like I said, there's so many good things to this. So all I can say is, Matt, just keep it up. I, I can't wait to read more. Such a good book. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. I had a great time talking with you. 